Everything you see is what you know. Like when the sun rises and when the sun goes. Put down the pride and think what you do. Many men fall because they must come low. And if you never know, now you know. I'm talking to this host, them we can't do me. I'll make it try to get. Hello everyone, that was 2 by 2 by Beam. I just discovered Beam. He's he's amazing. Apparently he's from like Jamaica or something. Um but yeah, great artist. Um Welcome back to another episode of I've been thinking about it. My name is Christian Yearwood, your host of course. And I have a very good episode in store for you again. <laughs> uh today we're gonna talk about the mainstream media. Um the business of propaganda and how they manufacture consent um so it's, it's no secret right that in in these times you know public skepticism towards the mainstream media establishment is at an all-time high um you know simply people have simply um lost confidence in the media establishment to provide um to provide them with accurate and you know valuable news right um so there's a strong sense um especially amongst young people you know that the mainstream media does not quite paint the the, the full picture um of the issues we are facing as a society right and th- this skepticism is 100 percent justified i mean there have been several studies you know globally that indicate that you know younger people especially you know we no longer watch tv um as a source of of information right we no longer watch fox and cnn and msnbc um to, to, to get our information about global affairs and what's happening in the world around us right um this podcast is is a perfect example of this shift in attitude towards the mainstream media um I'm an independent uh, media source, um, but some people would actually trust what I have to say more than they would trust uh, a CNN anchor because I have no biases, right? Um, I'm independent. I don't make I don't make any money from this. The only goal that I have is to put out news and information. Um, that is valuable to other people, right? So, this skepticism towards the mainstream media, in my opinion, this is 100% justified. Um, quite frankly, you know, the mainstream, media, the mainstream media is in the business of propaganda, right? And I just want to start by giving a definition of propaganda. Um, this is definition from Oxford. Information, especially of a biased or misleading nature used to promote or publicize a particular point of view, right? So, to start off our, our, our conversation um, about about the business of propaganda, right? First, we got to understand how the media landscape um, has come to, to, to be what it is today, right? So, in 1983, 90% of American media, that is TV, radio, newspapers, um, 90% was owned by 50 companies, right? Today, 2020, that same 90% of American media is owned by a shocking six media giants. Six giants own 
90% of the media, right? And those six companies are Comcast, Viacom, News Corp, Disney, Time Warner, and CBS. Uh, so if you watch ESPN, they're owned by Disney. If you watch uh, CNN, MSNBC, I believe they're owned by, um, I believe CNN is owned by Time Warner. I could be wrong. Um, but regardless, we have six media giants um, that own 90% of American media, right? Now, when you look globally, um, the numbers are actually not too dissimilar from that. Um, there's global media conglomerates um, that own a lot of um, newspapers and TV stations um, all over the world, you know, in the Caribbean, in Asia, um, in Europe, um, as well as the African continent, right? So this is, this is a global issue, right? Um, but of course, I use the numbers from, from, from America, right? So 90% of American media is owned by six media giants. I'm just going to repeat those six media giants for you. Comcast, Viacom, News Corp, Disney, Time Warner, CBS, right? Now, this is extremely problematic, right? Because it means that the access to information um, and the shaping of the political narrative is being controlled by a wealthy elite class, right? Now, I don't own I don't own Disney. I don't own Time Warner. I don't own CBS. I don't own News Corp, right? None of us own those things right own those companies right so obviously there's some very wealthy people that own these companies right and they're able to basically filter the narrative filter uh the information um that is being uh consumed by the mass the masses right because it's the mainstream media and we, we, we obviously look to them um, as a, a authority in media. Um, so we look to them uh, for information, right? But, you know, the, tele the, telecommunic the Telecommunications Act um, in 1996 uh, was passed by Bill Clinton during his presidency, right? And this is what allowed for all of the uh, media conglomerates to basically merge together and create a situation where six companies own 90% of all the media all the media that Americans see right um, in the Caribbean we watch American media uh, I'm pretty sure people in Europe watch American media uh, so this is really a global issue you know is is about who has uh, who, who who controls the narrative and as you as you will as you will see this this is gonna be very problematic right so the act was significant, right? Because, you know, it allowed giant corporations to buy up thousands of media outlets across America, you know? This legislation was, of course, bought and paid for by the telecommunications industry. I mean, they have spent billions of dollars on lobbying, super PACs, and campaign contributions to legally bribe um, American politicians, right? So the result of that is a media establishment that no longer works as a watchdog of the government, right? They're no longer a check on political power, but they're actually a willing accomplice in the, in the destruction of democracy, right? So, for example, you will have serious debates about climate change on CNN. CNN is going to hold their climate change town hall, and I've seen this live. And then when it goes to ad break, You'll have ExxonMobil, the largest oil company in the world, one of the top contributors um, to CO2 emissions. 
they're going to be buying ads. They're going to be advertising their products, right? Right after CNN um, just finished aired a, a, a climate change town hall, right? This is absolutely absurd. Um, but this is true of all the issues, right? Healthcare, you know, when we talk about the corporate exploitation of the working class, and you know, pretty much any arguments that challenge corporate power um, and that challenges status quo, they're almost non-existent on mainstream media outlets, right? So, just to give a really famous example um, of, of how the media acts as, you know, an accomplice in, in, um, <laughs> in, in basically perpetuating corporate power in America, right? So the Washington Post is famous, you know, for their stories which echo the um, the quite sinister lies of the Bush administration um, because Bush was claiming that, you know, Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, right? So the Washington Post, they basically corroborated that story, right? And, and, they, and this was significant because, you know, the Washington Post was a very respected newspaper in America, you know. A lot of people uh, read the Washington Post and... You know, take what they say as gospel per se, right? Um, we now know that that's one of the biggest lies um, told in human history, right? There were there were no weapons of mass destruction uh, in Iraq, right? But you know, this war, you know, in Iraq, which was really another mission of U.S. military imperialism, you know, it was being justified by the American media, right? Um. So, there you go, you know, you can see how how the government comes out with a set of lies. The media is supposed to actually, you know, check those lies, you know, and say, you know, that's not true. This is actually true. This is, this is really what happened. Um, but the Washington Post basically corroborated the uh, Bush administration's lies, right? But um, I just want to add, right? American oil companies, right? They spend billions of dollars on media advertisements, right? Some of the same people who own these news corporations, they also have financial ties to the oil and gas industry, right? So it's very easy to see how quote unquote journalists um at the Washington Post, you know, they would they would uh I guess feed into the lies of the Bush administration, right? Because what you got what, what we need to understand is that these people they're working together, right? You know, they have a similar mindset and, and, and a similar agenda, you know, that they want pushed, right? So that is what they do. Um but um this this way talk about when I talk about the business of propaganda, right? You see, there's a quite concentrated effort towards misleading the public and, and shaping the narrative in a certain way, right? So I just want to give another quick example. You see, here in the Caribbean, you will see stories about ExxonMobil um, oil production partnerships with Guyana, right? Um, it, it's generally, it's, it's celebrated in the media, right? Um, because of the, the massive profits um, that will be made from these deals, right? And the economic um, benefits that the Guyanese people are, are supposed to see from these from these deals, but 
what's left over these stories is is an analysis about climate change and, and how these oil deals are ultimately exacerbate the climate crisis right you know it is an inherent bias that these news organizations have which prevent them from providing the full context of the issue you know it's kind of a don't rot the boat attitude right um but th this surface level coverage uh of political issues this this is very dangerous to our democracies right i mean the oil and gas industry spends millions of dollars on pushing the light that man-made climate change is a hoax right while simultaneously paying for ads that promote the company's commitment to a sustainable future right and this is true of so many oil companies um around the world and it's not just about oil companies guys right it's the healthcare industry is the pharmaceutical industry uh it's basically corporate corporate interests um they spend a lot of money on advertising right and and this is how the media makes their money so why would the media challenge that corporate power if they're benefiting from that same corporate power right this is what i call corporate propaganda one-on-one right it's kind of like the appearance versus the reality um i'm gonna play a quick clip from you guys from a journalist called glenn greenwald right and glenn greenwald um he's an actual journalist you know um and he works for the intercept um the intercept is a newspaper that actually covers you know stories that matter and hires real journalists <laughs> but um the interview was given on on fox news right um the laura ingram show to be exact and here's what glenn greenwald had to say about the media establishment in america Fox News and all of its many flaws and many mistakes and many humiliations, which have taken place a lot this year and the last year, CNN immediately invites me on, and Fox does it. And that's the reverse that happens when I write about CNN. Fox loves to have me on, and CNN won't. And I think that really is the issue. I don't want it to be implied that this is a problem unique to CNN and MSNBC. Fox has had its share of incredibly embarrassing mistakes, also always in the direction of its own political agenda. And the problem is, is that media outlets yeah. now are balkanized. They talk only to their audiences, and they don't have any transparency or accountability duties. And that, I think, is what's ruining journalism. First of all... <laughs> no, Laura Ingram um, proceeds to defend herself on and why she's such a stand-up journalist, you know. By the way, right? Laura Ingram also defended um, Bush's lies about weapons of mass destruction um, as a Fox News anchor, right? And Laura Ingram is paid fifteen million dollars a year. That is her salary, fifteen million dollars a year, right? Now, of course, you have clones like sean hannity um bill o'reilly i'm pretty sure everyone knows about bill o'reilly right um and these these are the guys that work at fox news you know they're all paid very handsomely to spread propaganda and lies um from the political establishment in america right and what they do is you know they get insiders washington insiders people that worked on politicians campaigns right they get lobbyists you know they get um former you know, corporate executives to come on the show um, while well, they actually hire a 
a lot of those people to come on the show right so so this is how the establishment bias is created right it's not to say that the the executives at fox news actually go to laura ingram and bill o'reilly and go hey lie about all these things right and this is what you're gonna say and you know you have to lie about all these things right that's not how it quite works is in the hiring process right so for example they wouldn't hire glenn greenwald right they, they, they simply would not do that because <laughs> he's an actual progressive right and um he actually has integrity um so they would they would never hire him but laura ingram sean Hardy, bill o'reilly uh even anderson cooper um is paid a whopping 12 million a year from cnn um which is owned by time warner right time warner by the way i just want to say this time warner has spent 28 million dollars in 2018 alone lobbying um politicians right so this this is this this is a year yearly thing right they spend millions of dollars every year um so that they can control the political narrative right now back to the hiring process um of these corporations right because that is really where uh you see the establishment bias coming in right so they'll hire people who've worked on for example obama's campaign right or are they going to come on TV and say anything bad about Obama? No. They're going to hire people who worked in the Clinton administration. Are they going to come on TV and, and say that Bill Clinton was famous for passing the Telecommunications Act? You know, that basically made sure that six companies in America own 90% in the media. You know, will they ever hire someone who is going to paint that narrative, right? Because that is the correct narrative. That is actually what happened, right? That is the truth. But they will never hire anyone that is going to come on there and say the truth like that, right? So, that's also what people describe as the revolving door, right? You know, politicians, lobbyists, campaign staff, political advisors, you know, other individuals, you know, they're hired to fill the positions as quote-unquote journalists in these news corporations, right? Uh, and And... I'm going to tell a story about Jank uh, Uger, right? Jank Uger, he is now the CEO of the Young Turks. Young, the Young Turks is uh, currently the largest independent online media organization in the world. I am a huge fan of the Young Turks. Uh, the Young Turks, they are funded 100% by their viewership. Um, so there's no conflict of, of interest, right? Um, so the result is obviously unbiased and objective journalism, right? So... I, I'm I'm a huge fan of the Young Turks as a result of that. But I wanna I wanna play this clip about Jenk. Um Jenk, by the way, he used to work on MSNBC. Um and I think his story is very eye opening because you know it really exposes um the mainstream media for, for what it is, right? So just some background. Jenk had a show on MSNBC um covering politics. And he had the best ratings on TV, right? Um, for any uh, talk show. And this is what happened to Jen Uger. And they told me, hey, listen, uh, we were just, or it was actually one specific person, the head of MSNBC. He said, I was just in Washington, 
And people in Washington tell me that they're concerned about your tone. I was like, whoa, what? You know, despite all the things that I've said about the mainstream media, I still view that as kind of like theoretical. Like a real person, are they really going to say that? I was like, and I, I'm naively thinking, what does he mean? Did he just talk to his friend Bob in Washington? <laughs> Why would you say people in Washington if you meant, oh, yeah, I was talking to my buddy down at the shop about you. It just happened to be that he was a person in Washington. You wouldn't frame it that way, right? But I'm still thinking that. And then he gives me the second part of the speech. Hey, listen, Jake. Outsiders are cool. And they wear, I think he might have said something like, they wear leather jackets, they ride bikes. I think I'm an outsider, I don't ride a bike. But <laughs> I have a terrible leather jacket. Anyway, and he said, I'd love to be an outsider, outsiders are cool. But we're not. We're insiders. We are the establishment. And I just kind of sat back. I was like, wow, this is it. This is the speech. <laughs> so... Um, Jenk talks about this um, at length. Um, you can go on YouTube, type in Jenk Yuger, why he left MS MSNBC. Uh, he talks about this at length, and it's it's very eye opening, right? But again, this 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 is a blatant example of why the media is no longer con concerned with actually challenging corporate power in America, right? Um, in the words of, by the way. Jenk was meeting with uh, MSNBC president Phil Griffin, right? So this is the president of MSNBC telling Jenk Uger that, you know, outsiders are cool, but we are insiders. We are the establishment. You know, can, can you imagine, right? <laughs> can you imagine a, 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 an executive of a news corporation sitting down and telling you that they're the establishment? Um, that is mind blowing, right? Jenk ended up leaving MSNBC, of course, uh, because Jenk is one hundred percent um full of integrity, right? But you know, this this is what Noam Chomsky, um, Noam Chomsky, sorry, uh, he refers to as you know manufacturing consent, right? Um, he's wrote about this at length. You know, um, I'm a huge fan of um, Noam Chomsky and, and his work. I think he's brilliant, one of the most brilliant minds um, in human history. You know, but this, this is what he's talking about, you know. We, you have a media establishment um, that basically helps corporate power and helps um, the government carry out their goals. You know, they no longer work as a check, as a balance you know, on power, right? They kind of just, you know, basically manufacture consent. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's it's clear that those in power and, and those working in media are, are in bed with each other, right? And those who actually challenge power, you know, they're suppressed. You know, they're, they're ridiculed, they're discredited, and they're even murdered and tortured, right? Uh, so, what what's the implications of 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 having um a media establishment that like this, right? That that they basically co-sign corporate power, co-sign government power. You know, they don't they don't ever represent the views of of the people. Um, well, what is the result of this, right? I mean, it has a lot of implications, yeah. Um. But 
I think the the biggest implication it has, honestly, is for free speech, right? Um, right now, our free speech rights are, are they're, they're being attacked viciously by all governments all over the world, right? And there's no better case um, in point than um, the founder of WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, right? Now, I could do a whole episode on Ju- Julian Assange. I absolutely love the guy. I think that he is brilliant. I think that he is a fucking hero. Um, I think that more people should know who he is, know about his story, right? But just for the purposes of this discussion, I'm going to keep it brief, right? Um, so, so Assange is a journalist. Um, he's famous uh, for publishing thousands of government secrets, um, war crimes, you know, corruption, collusion, you know, the, basically the inner workings of power, um, you know, Julian Assange um, has created WikiLeaks and, and that's what WikiLeaks exposes, you know, the inner workings of power, right? So WikiLeaks, they rely on um, whistleblowers, right? Um, like Edward Snowden. So they rely on people to who are actually working in government, who are actually working in these corporations to 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 have a heart, right? And to come out and, and produce documents or evidence um, that they basically think the public should know, right? I mean, if the United States is committing war crimes in Afghanistan, the American public should know about that, right? I mean, there's there's really no discussion to be had about it. But of course, that's not the case, right? So, WikiLeaks, they, um, they publish documents um, and information that's ultimately dangerous for these people in power, right? So, as a result, WikiLeaks has kind of been like demonized, right? And in the 2016 election, uh, WikiLeaks basically published a, a, a ton of emails from the Clinton campaign, the Hillary Clinton campaign, right? So in these emails, there was a lot in these emails. There was a lot of shit in these emails about how CNN um, were basically giving Hillary Clinton's campaign the questions before the debates, you know, how they were talking about Bernie Sanders and his supporters behind their back, you know, um, a lot a lot of really crude and, and basically disgusting things. Um, were exposed by by WikiLeaks, right? But one of the most important emails that was published by WikiLeaks, right? And and again, this was from a batch of emails um, that was released from Hillary Clinton's campaign manager. Uh, his name is John Podesta, right? So I sifted through these emails. I read through a lot of them, right? And a lot of experts agree that one of the most important emails. Um, was an email indicating that U.S. intelligence was aware that the governments of Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Kuwait are funding funding terrorist groups in the Middle East. I'm just going to repeat that. There was an email in Hillary Clinton's campaign that stated that U.S. intelligence is aware that the governments of Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Kuwait are funding terrorist groups in the Middle East. Um, this is extremely disturbing, right? For for a lot of reasons, right? The first reason is that obviously the U.S. claims to be fighting terrorist terrorism overseas, right? And I think just like I referenced um in the last episode, they claim to be fighting terrorism in the Middle East, 
But yet, President Trump is going to kill one of his top allies, General Soleimani, in actually fighting terrorism in the Middle East, right? Um, and this kind of the same thing going on, uh, right? So, the Saudi Arabian and, and Qatari governments, right? They are top U.S. allies, right? They are top U.S. allies. I mean, they get all all types of uh, weapons deals, um, you know. So, so they're top U.S. allies, right? So, why why would the U.S. support a regime like Saudi Arabia, right? Now, one of the reasons is that obviously Saudi Arabia has one of the biggest oil deposits in the world, and Saudi Arabia provides the U.S. with slightly cheaper oil um, than other countries. So the U.S. is going to back them, right? Now. Again, this is one of the main problems with the mainstream media. You never hear this framing. Now, you might have heard that WikiLeaks released um, some emails from the Clinton campaign. Now, you might have heard Hillary Clinton talking about WikiLeaks, right? But you will never hear them say that one of the emails in in, in the Hillary Clinton um, leaks was an email that indicated that the Qatari, Saudi Arabia, and Kuwait governments are funding terrorist groups. You will never hear any TV anchor um, in the mainstream media ever say that or ever frame it like that. They, it just will never happen, right? Um, but this this is a huge problem, right? The U.S. is actively aiding um, in the Saudi government um, committing genocide in Yemen, right? No. I don't know how much coverage the war in Yemen gets from the mainstream media. I mean, I haven't seen any of it, you know. Uh, so they don't they don't cover this stuff, right? Um, but the U.S. is is actively aiding Saudi Arabia in committing genocide against a whole country of people, right? And it's, it's like, it's so silent. You know, when you watch CNN, you turn on MSNBC, you turn on Fox News, you don't hear a word about that, right? Um, so, again, the reasons for, for the U.S. supporting Saudi Arabia, supporting Qatar, supporting Kuwait, again, it's all about money, right? No, Saudi Arabia, for example, has invested $6.2 billion dollars in American companies in the last five years alone. Just just picture that. Six point two billion um dollars in investment in the last five years alone, right? Um some of the famous companies that they um invest in um include Uber and Lyft, right? Huge. I I know, I know, right? Um but back to Julian Assange, right? And and free speech. So Julian Assange, should, he, he, he should be a hero for exposing, you know, the massive corruption and, and government crimes. Um, but instead, he's actually been in an Ecuadorian embassy in London since 2012, right? Now, just to clarify, so the U.S. government has charged Assange um, basically with um, the Espionage Act, right? Basically saying that. He betrayed, um, he published government secrets, so, you know, he's a spy and, you know, a whole load of bullshit, right? Um, so, 
as a result, Assange had to uh, apply for political asylum um, from Ecuador, right? So he's been staying in the Ecuadorian embassy in London since 2012. Um, currently, he's being shipped to a British prison um, where he's going to possibly be extradited to the U.S. Um, he's going to receive no trial. Um, he's not going to get a day in court. He's not going to be able to sit in front of a jury, a judge, because... Once you get charged um, under the Espionage Act, is one is is a crime where you are actually guilty as charged. So all you're given is a sentence. You're not actually able to 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 prove your innocence in court, right? I mean, it is absolutely disturbing what what is happening around the world, right? But again, journalists like Julian Assange, they will never be hired by the mainstream media because the mainstream media is in the business of propaganda they're not in the business of truth you know they're not in the business of of telling people what is actually happening around the world they're in the business of misleading people right so assange um he he was kept in solitary confinement the U.S. government installed cameras, listening devices in the embassy. All of this is illegal, by the way. Um, but the reason that nothing is actually being done done, done um, about it is because the British government, the governments um, of France, Spain, Sweden, basically all of NATO, um, they want Assange buried. You know, they... They don't want people to find out about Assange. You know, they don't want people reading about Assange. They don't want people reading WikiLeaks. They don't want people going on WikiLeaks. You know, so all of the governments um, in NATO, they have a vested interest in, in suppressing Assange, right? Um, so he's been kept in solitary confinement, right? And so... There's reality for real journalists out there, right? Um, and again, this is Noam Chomsky talks about this at length um, in, in his book, Manufacturing Consent. Actual journalists, you know, that actually provide real information and that provide the proper context um, in terms of global affairs, they are suppressed. You know, they're, 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 they're kept as political prisoners. I mean, Assange is basically a political prisoner um and by the way right the west um the west right they, they like to say that you know the chinese government for example keeps political prisoners and you know kim jong-un the north korean president you know he keeps political prisoners when they do exactly the same thing right i mean but no one calls them out for it right because six companies own 90 percent of the media Right? 90% of what Americans read, watch, and listen to. Right? So, of course they're not going to call out um, the fact that the U.S. government basically denounces other leaders for having political pr prisoners. When Western governments, they also have political prisoners, right? Um, I mean... Even if you, you think about the journalist um, Jamal Khashoggi, who was basically murdered um, by the Saudi Arabian regime, and they basically repl replaced him with a fucking clone or whatever, 
not a clone, but someone that looked exactly like him, right? Um, but they basically murdered him. Um, and he was a Washington Post journalist, right? And he was writing about all the basically human rights atrocities that the Saudi regime has committed, right? And these are well documented in Yemen, in their own country, you know, all over the Middle East, right? They murdered him. Now, did you hear any CNN journalists denouncing the Saudi Arabian government for doing that? I mean, they did speak about the journalists being murdered. But what has come of it? Nothing has come of it. And that's because they don't actually hold the people in power accountable, right? I mean, it doesn't take long for you to realize that, yo, this guy was actually really murdered by the Saudi Arabian government. You know, there's evidence of it, right? But they don't call them out for it, right? Because you see, the Saudi Arabians, they have a lot of money. You know, they have a lot of political influence in America and in the West, right? So it's massive hypocrisy, right? Um, but again, that is back to Noam Chomsky's point about manufacturing consent, right? We we the people we didn't give we didn't give them permission to do this. The American people they didn't give the American government permission to charge Assange with the Espionage Act or to charge Edward Snowden um, under the Espionage Act. You know, Edward Snowden was a whistleblower and basically exposed um, the crimes of the Bush administration, right? All the lies about weapons of mass destruction. And Edward Snowden also revealed the fact that the U.S. government was spying um, on literally, well, not spying. Well, they were spying, but they were basically keeping a database on everyone in the entire world, right? Um Americans are not right. They were they were keeping a database on, on everyone in the entire world, and as an insider, as a whistleblower, Edward Snowden was able to come out and speak about this and publish um, all the documents that he published. Um, you know that's that's actual journalism, right? And and Edward Snowden is not journalist. You know he was just literally someone that was working in U.S. intelligence, and he saw. The massive fraud and the massive corruption and all the crimes that the U.S. government and U.S. intelligence was committing. And he decided to speak out about it. And when he decided to speak out about it, the mainstream media establishment in America, they didn't, they didn't you know, celebrate this guy. You know, they didn't parade him. They didn't, you know, put him on a pedestal as, as someone, as a champion, you know, for the American people, as an American hero, as he should be. You know what they did? They called him a traitor. You know? They said he was exposing government secrets and, and putting U.S. Um, national security at risk by, by exposing all these secrets, right? But yet all he was doing was telling the truth, right? But, but, the, but the, the political and the, and, the, and the media establishment in America, they never frame it like that. They never, ever, ever frame it like that, Right? Um, so it's clear that they're not to be trusted, right? And to be fair, I feel like people in my generation, people of a certain age, as the studies suggest, I didn't need studies to tell me this, but we don't watch the news. Like, we don't listen to you, Anderson Cooper. You know, we don't take what you say seriously, Laura Ingram. You know what I mean? Like, 
because you guys have a history of lying and defending um shit that you really shouldn't be defending right and and this is why you know podcasts like this exist right this is actually why i created this podcast because we're dealing with you know massive 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 problems in terms of free speech right so the corporate media right and and i mean if you got if you have a twitter if you have a facebook if you have a youtube right you type anything in as a matter of fact you don't even have to type it in right all you see is fox news cnn msnbc you know the late night show with jimmy kimmel or this thing that thing right it's because corporate power rules right money rules right the truth don't rule in this world guys you know um so so young people we 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 kind of woke to that you understand what i mean like we, we ain't sleeping no more like we understand what is happening in the world we are being like to we are being fed lies we're being fed misinformation um parts of stories are being hidden from us you know that's what's happening right and and that's why we don't trust the mainstream media anymore um so that's why podcasts like this um exist you know and because we we need someone who's actually gonna speak truth to power and and actually present the affairs the global affairs in the proper context right and it's, it, you know my pod this podcast is just my small way of, of trying to combat that right trying to combat um corporate control over the political narrative right um i mentioned the young turks before i'm a huge fan of them they do very good um journalism there's also the intercept there's the hill there's democracy no there's the rational national um that's a youtube channel there's secular talk with kalkalinski that's also a YouTube channel. There's the Jimmy Dore show. He's a comedian, um, but he has a he's like a type of a um, political commentator slash comedian, you know. And these guys have massive um, followings, right? And the reason they have massive followings is because people have realized that they can no longer rely on the mainstream media uh, to give them the actual truth. So independent uh, media organizations and independent groups are, are are being created every day and 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 are trying to combat you know this corporate control of the political narrative um that we see throughout the world um lastly what i want to say is right um it, it's very important for us as individuals you know to educate ourselves right we, we can no longer rely on the people in power to tell us what is actually happening you know um good thing is we have the internet i mean in my opinion the greatest tool ever created in human history so we have the internet we have tons of information um available uh, um, at our fingertips so we can 
figure things out we can we, you know we can access certain information um that the, the media the corporate media is actually hiding from us right um so so that's the silver lining and all of this um and as i said that's one of the reasons why i created this podcast because i feel like a lot of people are are, are, are getting lost in, in in because there's so much information there's so much misinformation so much disinformation um and there's just flat out lies and, and propaganda right that this podcast is just my small way of, of as i said trying to combat that and and trying to make sure that people are, are viewing things within the proper context you know and, and we're all on the same page and we're not on the page um of the corporate um political establishment right we, we're on the page of the people and Again, that's that's why people like Bernie Sanders are so popular, right? And not just in America. They're popular all over the world. Bernie Sanders is, I mean, a global icon at this point, right? Because he speaks truth to power and he's relentless, you know? And, and, and he has actual policies and plans, you know, that are going to help the American people, you know? When, when you hear, and you hear this a lot, right? When Bernie Sanders goes on on the corporate media uh, platforms to talk about his policies, for example, free healthcare, the first question you will always hear the TV anchors ask is, "How are you going to pay for it? How are you going to pay for it? How are you going to pay for it? How are you going to pay for it?" And you know what? What is so disgusting about that, right? And so disingenuous about that question? They never ask. They never ask Bill Clinton, "Yo, how are you going to pay?" Um, for the crime bill um how are you gonna pay for the telecommunications act they didn't ask bush how are you gonna pay for the iraq war they didn't ask democrats or republicans just last year why did you um vote to to expand the american military budget how, how are we gonna pay for that they never ask how are they gonna pay for the wall street bailout they never ask how they're gonna pay for all the corporate subsidies that oil companies and, and agricultural um sorry um agricultural companies mate they never ask how you're gonna pay for all that stuff whenever is some is is a policy that is 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 directly addressing wealth and income inequality is addressing poverty um is addressing the working class something to benefit the working class they always ask you they bombard you how are you gonna pay for it how are you gonna pay for it how are you gonna pay for it right and and that that's one of the problems um with the political establishment they're just, they're just not sorry the, the the media establishment they're just not genuine they're just not you know um they're not being honest right you know the, the way that they frame the debates you know is, is almost to make bernie sanders seem like he's some sort of radical idealist like how radical is it for 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 the United States to provide their people with health care. How radical really is it for the United States to say, oh, um, we're going to make an investment in our own people by making public education free, right? That They describe that as radical. But when the, when in 2008, when Wall Street crashed the global economy, they didn't just crash the American economy, they crashed the global economy, um... And they got bailed out by the Obama 
or um administration, you didn't hear people about how are you gonna pay for it. They didn't ask Obama how he was gonna pay for the corporate Wall Street bailout. Right? They didn't ask him that. They didn't also ask him why Citibank and this is also was again, see this is why they don't like Julian Assange, right? And in, in another batch of emails it was it was revealed that Citibank they basically sent a list to Obama about who they think should be in Obama's cabinet, right? When he was um, elected as president in 2008. And what do you know? All of the people that the Citibank executive, CEO, said that should be in Obama's cabinet was in Obama's cabinet. The only one person that wasn't on the Citibank executive's list, guess who it was? Hillary Clinton. Someone who had just lost the Democratic nomination to Obama. I started campaigning for Obama in exchange for her position in Obama's cabinet. Have you ever heard a journalist on TV provide that context? No, you haven't. Um, and that's all I want to talk about today. This has been another episode of I've Been Thinking About It. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I definitely had fun making it. Peace out.